0: Welcome to the Guilty Party. <laughs> and we're live. Welcome to, gosh, is it episode eight now? Episode eight of the Guilty Party podcast. I am your co-host, Patrick Matson, And on the other end in Fort Worth, we have... Micah Longlocks Lebrasse. I'm just right. kidding. I don't know. I don't know why I said Longlocks, but I want it to stick. I'm I'm, I'm going for it.
1: <laughs> it's not wrong though.
0: <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> anyway, as always, when there's a few days in between our podcasts, and this one later than normal due to my traveling. Sorry for everybody, but uh, home now. And uh, every time there's some days in between this podcast, some major shit goes down. And uh, this is this week is going to be no different. So uh, we're just going to we're just going to get right into this one. Uh, Mike is going to start off with uh, the hydroxy Q uh, debate. Yeah. So let's get yeah. into it,
1: man. Uh, so I think I texted you about this, and I guess you were probably traveling uh through the the shows and everything else. And this video popped up. Um, out of nowhere, uh, basically what happened, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the exact um, information I thought I had in front of me, but I guess I didn't write that part down. Uh, basically, this group called, uh, you know, Doctor, the, the Frontline Doctors of America or something along those lines, they hosted this um, press conference in front of um, some Capitol building. They didn't have any major networks there like, you know, NBC or Fox or CNN or anything like that. It was just basically independent. They just threw some video cameras together. And basically they came together and said that to sum it all up that, hey, you don't need masks that, you know, it's not going to save you. And that, two, that there is a cure out there for COVID-19 and it's called, you know, hydroxy, uh, hydroxychloroquine. That's a long one. Yeah. We're just going to hydroxy Q. We're going to just call it yeah, that. Yeah,
0: that's the best thing to roll with because I hear people say chloroquine, chloroquine, and then I hear just people say hydroxy-chlor.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> like, which one is it? Yeah, we'll stick with hydroxy Q. We'll make it cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. But j- basically, just for an overview, like that video came out, and because it was, you know, so convincing, if you will, I guess, and it looks very official. Everyone assumed right off the bat that, hey, there's a cure for COVID, that um, this is it. We're good. And the biggest thing that it drew attention was that it was posted on Twitter, on Facebook, a lot of media platforms, and it was getting taken down. And everyone freaks out saying like, oh, they're trying to stifle the truth because, you know, a good conspiracy is, you know, when stuff keeps getting taken down. You're like, oh, well, someone must be thinking this is true and they're trying to take it down so they don't want you to know the truth. Um, so the video gets taken down. Everyone starts reposting it saying like, hey, watch this before it gets taken down. There's a the truth. They don't want you to know that there's a cure for this. And again, I want to preface this before we get into the meat of it that I'm not saying it's a right or wrong. We'll get into that later. But the, the point is that a video pops up without any major media coverage which again isn't a good or a bad thing it just is what it is it starts getting taken down and people start taking this at face value that there is a cure out there called hydro q whatever you want to call it um, (laughs) and that we're good we're saved so pat if you didn't know we're saved we're good you don't have to worry about anything else
0: Well, dude, I'm I'm a lot happier to hear that because for a long time I thought, you know, uh, hydroxy, anything with hydroxy in it was the devil. So (laughs) uh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But here I want to stop you right there, because what I got to say is I actually don't know what video you're referencing. The only so I for people that don't know and some people that do know they're listening to this podcast, I made a post a couple days ago. that got a lot of traction over the hydroxy Q debate. And my stance was the censure the censorship that Micah brought up. So my stance on that is when it when videos get yanked down, the reason that people go, Well, this must be the truth is because censorship doesn't help the counter argument at all. When you when you pull down somebody's view and you make it one sided, even though that other side is already going, Well, we still don't know the 100% cure to this, and then they're yanking down another side, it just looks like they're controlling the information. So that's all I mean on the censorship thing. And that part I do understand with people, like on the censorship thing, because um, it just doesn't look good for the counter argument, man. But what uh, I don't actually don't know what video you're talking about, the ones I was talking about, are many a video, not just one that I've seen where on subreddits, private messages, uh, DMs and stuff where doctors are getting on there by themselves and sending these around and they're starting to make, not major wave, but uh, they're starting to get around and then other doctors are filing their support for it and keeping vigilant and sending out their own video. So my whole thing about making that post was why are we censoring uh, information that doctors are literally going under ground to get this information out to people. I don't believe doctors, they want to hurt people, but I believe that they really feel that, uh, that it works. And then we've seen in other countries that it's working too. So, um, but it's not, it's not working here now. One good thing about that, that post was I actually got to hear from a few doctors and a few doctors on that post were like, you know, saying that, you know, you got to be a perfect match for it. It'll treat symptoms, but it won't cure the coronavirus. Uh, there's been a lot of studies. Studies are still happening and they're waiting on the results. So no one yeah. knows for sure. And so that that part was like, okay, cool. We're actually having a discussion here and it's not just bro science. Like there's actually doctors in that thing. But not one of those doctors could tell me if it was okay or if it was right to censor the information from the the from the other doctors that they didn't share that opinion of or support their opinion and i'm like this is the problem here is nobody knows so you can't just cut off one because here's the thing with hydroxy Q, it has proven to work for some people and that's the thing but not everyone
1: and and, exactly and and here's the only thing like i i worry about and again i if, if if it is an actual, like, remedy to COVID, I'm all about it. It's very dangerous, though, when you just throw out a medical solution and not knowing the repercussions if you're not a viable match for it. So, I mean, I, oh, I don't, totally. know, I don't and, know if you know, she- but hydro is basically, it's it's an over-the-counter drug. It's, it's mainly used to treat malaria and lupus and other things. But the problem is there are some side effects, you know, that includes, you know, if you've got a skin condition, it can worsen that. There's um, possible eye damage to permanent eye vision loss. It can ca- cause heart disease. It's uncommon, but it is severe from when it happens. And so it's like, okay, fine. If you think you have, and you go rush out the door to the, you know CVS and go pick that up. If you're not a match, you could you know in fact hurt yourself more. And so again, I, I'm not, I don't agree with you know pulling or leaving it up there. I think the biggest thing is. When you put that type of information out there, whether you mean well or not, there's going to be some person who's not going to do their due diligence and research on it and they're going to get it and they could end up, you know, killing themselves or doing something worse. And it's like it's, it's a very sticky, sticky uh, situation pretty much.
0: Yeah, and, and dude, I I hear I hear that side of the argument. Like, I really do because I get it. It's like you could take this and it could be potentially more harmful to to you than what you have. Like, I get that argument, but my thing is is we keep now hearing, and it's almost like it, it's almost like the counter argument to hydroxy Q is demonizing it. So now we're hearing all the bad shit it can do to you. Well, here's one gigantic problem: is it's been around for fifteen plus years, if not longer than that. And if it can do all that bad shit to you, why the fuck is it an over-the-counter drug? Oh, yeah, no, no. Like that no, – You know what I'm that. saying? Like if it can do all that bad stuff to you, like worse in your vision, worse in your skin condition, like then why were we for 20 years if not 15 selling it over the counter? I mean a lot of this just becomes a little scrupulous to me. It's like – uh it's like there's a demonization on something that is low profit is what it comes off as. But I also get the counter argument to it that it could be harmful to you. But this is where these private doctor videos come in. And also, shout out to the doctors that uh, commented on my post. was They were also saying that it can work for you and treat these symptoms if you're a good match. So if you if your doctor is going, you are a good match here. Like, this is, I'm urging you to take this, but then they're still going, no, you can't do that. Then I see why these doctors are taking to private chat well, no, no. forums. And, and I you know. agree with
1: that 100%. I'm just saying, like, hey, if your doctor is saying you're a match for it and they recommend you do it, I'm all about it. I just think yeah, that. But, if, but
0: they can't even do it now. They can't even do it if uh, because, um, like, the, the the private videos I was watching where these doctors are so mad is that they want to give it to some of their patients, if not all of them. And they can't even do it because she couldn't even – like one of her – one of the last videos I saw, a doctor prescribed it to a person and she couldn't even get it at uh, CVS. So they're shutting it down. So it's like even if it does work, which it's proven to have worked for some people, you're right, not all, um, even if they sh- even if they can get it or they're prescribed it and they're a perfect match, they still can't get it. Now that I feel is a problem because it's like, OK, you're – there's yeah. obviously no solution Out here, but there's my doctor saying there's one it's proven to work for other people. It's um, it's almost like a test operation where they're like, you know, like you got to sign this waiver. uh, But we're we're willing to bring in a doctor from out of network to do it. It's almost like one of those one of those weird things. And um, And you're
1: right that they shouldn't just shut that down because there's no I've not seen any studies or evidence that, hey, that people are, you know, dying right and left or they're getting, you know, really, really bad symptoms from just taking it. So that that I don't agree with that they should just you know stop production on it or you know ban it from being sold over the counter, but at the same time it's 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 very I it was just one of those weird things. It's like I, people have to do their research. That's that's the only thing I'm saying. Like the the things I kept seeing people do that day was just repost the video blindly and like saying hey this is it, and I'm like. Guys, if if it is the case, oh, that's geez. awesome. Yeah. But do yeah. your research. Don't be just reposting because what if, what if the one person that you reposted to didn't do their research? They're not a good match, and that you know, you know that that they get the hydro cue and then they take it and it it doesn't kill them, but it makes things worse for something they had. And so it's dude, like I mean, now, you just, now you you're just not being res- a responsible person. Like if you're, you're going totally do it for that. you, that's that, that's great, that's fine. But now you're putting that responsibility and the safety of others at risk, and that's the issue I have with if you're not gonna do any research.
0: Yes, dude, and I totally get that. Like I I I can't stand the person that just posts it and then or like how many times have you seen that person post an article? And it's a clickbait article, and it's almost like a Babylon Oh, bee I've got ins- so many snapshots the- oh, for to sure. send
1: you. Uh, people just post and stuff, and I'm like, I do but a one search, and it's not true at all.
0: Exactly. That's the evil of social media is these clickbait titles that feed your dopamine levels. So you click on them, or you don't even click on them. You just see them, and you're like, that's it. That headline is everything that's that supports my agenda. I'm rolling with it. So here we go. So you're right. It could be harmful. Um, But in the state that we're in as far as like harmful posts or putting out wrongful information, the state that America is in or just social media or the globe where where we're fighting an invisible enemy and we have literally no progress in information or tactics to take against it then you people are fending for themselves. And when you fend for yourself, you're going to want to help your brother out. And so you don't even know that you're being harmful and you're posting this up because you know what? There's no answers, but I trust my gut feeling and Hey brother, I want you to listen to mine. And so they, you know, cause I want to help you out. So I see there's like good intentions in it, but you're right. There's a little bit of ignorance because if you're not going to research the shit you post, then yeah, you're, you're, you're just, you're not helping society. So that means you're harmful to it. Yeah. You know,
1: and, and, and again, like if I got COVID tomorrow and there were some studies or if uh, some doctor, even if someone I just happened to knew wasn't treating me said, Hey, listen, you don't have to do it, but I'm recommending that you take this because I've seen it work personally. There's a chance I might go out and take it if, if, if it, you know, that person was reliable and to my information. But if someone just posted on the internet, like, Hey, you should go take this again, like science at the end of the day, it's just one, just one of those screwy things. Like it can help you. And it can also not help you. I'm, but well, it, it, I don't know. It's just yeah. it's one of those sucky things because it's like I, I saw this the other day where it says you know a study confirms that you can make anyone believe anything if you make it look like a screenshot of a news article, and oh, that totally. is so t- detrimental that. you know to our society right now because that's the state of the world that we live in. You repost something and it's supposed to be true.
0: Well, that's the problem with you know Im- uh, imagery, right? And you have a whole f- you have a whole platform called Instagram that uh, profits off of imagery. And so you make this grandiose poster, you make this information, even if you're not behind it or you know it's false or you're still 50-50 on it. You make it grandiose and you, all of a sudden you got a support staff, you know? And it's just – it's literally – and this is how these clickbait freaking articles, man, they make that ad revenue is because they put it out, make it juicy and make you click on it. And then how many – dude, most of these people don't even read the articles. No. They just click that thing or share it or – or they're looking for the cliff notes and they just grazed through it. But all that did was support that clickbait thing that's really detrimental to society because they're putting out wrongful information just to get uh, ad revenue. And, uh, and so, yeah, dude, that is the game we play. But that's what happens when social media is your number one go-to for information, you know, But also that's not a bad thing because mainstream media fucked that up for everybody oh, because yeah. of their of their own honesty and how they operate and stuff and how – and I'm not trying to skip over subjects because I want to stay on this hydroxy-Q thing. But how there's a whole sex ring thing going on and there's crickets about it, dude, and everyone's ev- – everybody is, is in on this as far as social media uh, digging up all this information and everyone's kind of becoming their own news agency.
1: You know? Oh no! Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's one of those things that it's just not popular, and that's that's the thing right now is unless it's a popular thing that sparks something that there's major coverage, whether it's major media news or social media, it's not going to get the attention that it needs. I mean, I was doing some research, you know, about the uh, sex trafficking here in and just North Texas or Texas in general. Um, the, the amount of you know, I think it's like three hundred people per day are sex trafficked, and it's not just Um, an adult thing it's a good majority of kids there's a a breakdown of I'll have to send you this uh, information because I meant to last week Um, there's an organization here in Texas that um, that's all they do and they kind of break it down into um, you know the different types of people you know the ethnic groups um, and you know it could be happening in your neighborhood that's the crazy thing I mean I was listening to a podcast with Dr. Phil and for uh, those of you who don't know, I mean, he's got his own you know, TV show, of course, but he's got a very interesting podcast where it's he has different people come on. Uh, he's had everyone from, you know, um, uh, he, he, it's similar to Joe Rogan, where he's got different people from scientists to prosecutors to celebrities come in and talk about it. And he had someone uh, come in and talk about, you know, sex trafficking They're like, hey, this this thing is not abnormal, like it could be happening in your neighborhood and you wouldn't even know it.
0: And it's, well, it's think crazy. about literally uh, like right before you called for some pre-pro on this podcast, 15 minutes before you called, a big ring in Germany is now outed for, for uh, sex trafficking young minors. And so now this is – this has always happened globally. But now, I mean y- – you see these private investigations going, the Jelaine Maxwell thing, everything that happened to Jeffrey Epstein. We thought it just hit America. This thing is blown nationwide. So now the now the world is fighting sex traffickers at an all time high. We always really have, but never really this publicly. And we're we're fighting this invisible enemy, COVID.
1: Yeah. And so
0: now we have, dude, like. I can't remember. I mean, I'm only 30 years old, but I also talked to my parents. They can't remember. And once I, you know, in a blue moon, uh, which I need to do more, I talked to my grandma. And she she feels the same way that no one can really ever remember when America was this uh, stressed or had this much tension because of all of the things that are coming out of the woodwork. I mean – you got the sex trafficking thing. You got COVID over here. You got the Maxwell case that is literally, I think, connected to all of it because you expose you expose filthy politicians. I think you start to dig in and dig in, and you kind of get into the further fabric of this uh, this disease or this uh, this virus. Right. Um, I really th- I really think she's a key point into it. I think what really blew the The door off the hinges, if you will, is the the Epstein case or I mean Epstein dying mysteriously. And that's kind of what's tipped off everyone into this like, okay, we need to be really confidential about how we act from here on out as far as the spread of information. Mm -hmm. We need to be working together. There's a thing called the QAnons out there and they're, you know, secret society fighting the dark society called the Cabal. And these are all real things, and they sound like something out of a fucking Dungeons and Dragons like game. But, um, well, before but yeah, we get dude, too I mean,
1: much of that, let's let's uh wrap up, um, Cora Q. Oh, <laughs> we're, I'm quick. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're no, on so hydroxy. I heat. know you were talking yeah. about how uh, every, or and I've heard this as well that it's supposed to be working in Europe. So I got some information that kind of want to read off to you and then hear your thoughts on that. So, one, yeah. so European governments they've moved, um, on Wednesday or maybe the last few Wednesdays I can't remember the, the exact date of the article um, that they're halting the use of anti-malaria uh, drug which is hydroxy to treat COVID-19 patients and the second global trial has been s- suspended so secondly the British medical journal The Lancet has re- uh, reported that COVID um, patients uh, receiving hydroxy q were more likely to die and experience dangerous regular heartbeats and again These are from from journals, from articles. This isn't like firsthand knowledge from doctors on the front lines. Um, It's kind of harder to find that information in Europe, so bear with me. Um, They're also saying that uh, large-scale testing is still needed to verify that the patients who are surviving from uh, um, hydroxy q are not isolated uh, incidents and that maybe they're either they got lucky or it's coincidence. So that part I kind of do agree with. Because it's very easy against from a, from a science standpoint. I mean, this goes back to when you and I were in high school and learning about like placebo effects and stuff like that. Like you have to test a good amount of subjects or, you know, trials in order to make sure it's not a fluke or it's just, you know, different circumstances that made that um, outcome come the way that you wanted to. Um, and yeah. then the cool thing is the UK is leading the charge right now on clinical tests for the dr- this drug, HydroxyQ, for covid so there's a lot of like information that's going back and forth again. You know, Hold on, say that say
0: out. that one more time. They're doing what again?
1: They're leading the charge on clinical tests for hydroxy okay. for COVID, and that's the yeah,
0: UK. yeah. And so the yeah, um so I've also seen articles too that say this, and this is this is back to the media game we play. And I've also seen articles that say the reason that Italy. Uh, had that big decline in cases after they had that huge spike was due to hydroxy Q. And so there's all this strange misinformation out there. And this is the gambit we play is we don't know which one is right. And, And never did we really. I think we always just trusted it because of a source. But now we're starting to see that there's literally conflicting information and articles for everything that we dig up. You know, I mean, I who's to say that the article you just said wasn't 100 percent right. And who's to say the one that I was just spouting off, which uh, was they were saying in Italy, hydroxy was yeah. a big I mean, reason I've, in the decline. I mean, I've heard the
1: same thing, too. So it's it's a lot yeah. of information out there that it's very hard. And that's the thing like right now, because we live in a tech age, it's very easy to manipulate information. Um, like I, I was sending something to a couple of my guys in a group that that we're in. And they're like, listen, man, it it could be true, but it's really easy to go into that web page and edit it to make it look like that. And I'm not saying it's what's happening in these articles. I'm just saying in general, because everyone is there's a lot of mistrust and, you know, our social media and our our news reporting outlets of like what's true, what's not. And there are some people that they do it just to be funny. They think they're playing a joke and it's actually harming things. So again, exactly. it's it's really difficult. I really hope that, you know, that maybe this is something that can be used partly. I mean, I've heard that we're still like six to eight months away from a vaccine for this. And it's like, okay, but even when that comes out, like how much testing have you actually done? And at the same point, it's like, okay, who are we supposed to hopefully trust? You know, we've said that the WHO is, you know, a crock full of shit or whatever it is and now you know our cdc is like is that something that we can trust are we supposed to trust the doctor down the street who claims that it's right and then the doctor across town's like no that's not right i mean holy crap well man. it's
0: it's <laughs> dude you're 100 right this is exactly what i'm saying it's a little hard to trust the who and the cdc after conflicting information on their own accounts how they were putting out articles that were like if you're asymptomatic it's really rare now and then it was like, well, hold on. Weren't you making us fight against the ones that were asymptomatic? That was the big scare. And then they come out saying that, oh, we redact that information. Uh, one of our sources was wrong. And I'm like, okay, you literally just lost all trust at a, at a world of – a world that's all, at an all-time high in stress and fear and, and an invisible enemy. And they're relying on you as the source of information. One, give them peace of mind. But two, give them a good tactical uh, uh, advantage – on this thing and now you're coming out with conflicting information i mean how i mean not that there's a body count but how many people were affected but just by that two-day article regime right that was conflicting
1: it was ridiculous
0: and so they lost they lost a lot of trust there and now a lot of people have put in their uh their sides to and this is always going to be the case but they've put it into right if you're right or left right or left has a certain standpoint that was
1: definitely the case that day
0: But the the problem is with right or left now is you got doctors being drafted to the right and you got scientists being drafted to the left. So now it's a a bipartisan game again. So now you got scientific community that's painted as as blue in the left and you got uh, doctors who are painted as red on the right and now they're going at each other. So the scientific community is debating with the doctor community and it's like we should all just be working together. Well, people are like, well, I trust a scientist – Over a doctor, and I'm like, well, you're trusting science, which is literally covered by a safety net called a hypothesis. And then, but you're going, you're saying that a doctor who literally they're on the line if they if they kill a patient, like they can be sued personally. So there is some there is some uh, accountability at least with a doctor. Now I'm not saying that you should trust one or the other over the other. The whole thing I'm saying is why the hell aren't they working together it seems like everybody is picking a side right now and working against each other and that's exactly why there's no progress you got news things doing the same thing you can find a counter article for everything you got doctors and scientific community going at each other and as always now you got the red and the and the and the and the blue the right and the left and it's all coming up in November, dude. I believe this is all a big thing for November. And not just the elections, man. I just think November is going to be a hell of a month.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh there's a lot of stuff that's building up to it. Um I mean, we haven't even gotten to the debates or the official like presidential campaign, oh, dude. so
0: I'm not going to lie. Maybe it's just because I'm it's so hard not to be pissy in the state of things in in the US, but these debates are going to be lit, dude.
1: <laughs> like, I hope so. They've like, already canceled one. So I'm like, "Come on, we just we're at this point we're just watching it for entertainment." I mean, I think Dude, all, I think
0: it's only going to take one.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think right now that all Americans are at the point where like, "Hey, we're not really happy with I mean, okay, let's let's be honest. No matter how much you try and how, you know, nice you are as a president or how you know <laughs> benevolent. whatever you want to be people are going to hate you at the end of your campaign i mean or your presidential oh, uh, term so i think we're at the 100%. point now that we both get like okay hey we are the ones who got us trump elected we are kidding ourselves when we say biden is is the answer we're like okay well we're really looking for who is going to be his vp because that guy is gonna die, you know, mid office, and that person, the, whoever's VP, is gonna be the the actual president if Biden wins. So well,
0: well th- let's 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 stop right there with Biden. I mean, I think with all of this sex trafficking stuff, even if he's not connected to it, it's really hard to support a president that sniffed and, and kissed on that many kids, and it's all on video, and it's all at the fucking podium. Oh, I mean, it's a but people creepy. don't
1: care about that. I've heard so many uh, people dude, say they're like. Well, and they're like, "Well, so you would take Biden who does all that stuff over Trump who just says stuff you don't like." And they're like, "Absolutely."
0: Yes, yes. I'm like, all right. That's that's the that's the party I can't change problem. your
1: mind, but it's just surprising, that's all.
0: It's the it's the party problem. And also, we've set a precedent in this in this world that a perfect person, a person with no sins a person with no Twitter, because you always get into trouble on Twitter, <laughs> and a person with no social media or no no success really in their life where they had to uh, undercut somebody or or make an, an, an ambitious uh, maneuver, I think that we've set a precedent for finding the most perfect person that doesn't exist on this world or doesn't exist in this world to run for president or be the president because... You're always gonna find something on the person that you put up in there because they're human. You're always gonna find people that don't support him. So there's always gonna be a case against it. And there's no such thing as the perfect person or the perfect president, which is why we have a chain of command. We have the House and the Senate. And the problem is, is we have politicians. We we focus so much on the president that we have politicians that have been career politicians for 25 plus years, 30 plus years, in some cases 40 plus years. That's a problem, man. Look up their track record. If they ain't getting shit done, why are we allowing them to stick around? Because they're clearly there just for their own comfort. Oh. And if they yeah. are going, and if they are going to bat, then forty-seven years you've been in, in Congress, 40 plus years you've been in Congress, and now you're going to bat. It seems a little ambitious to me. And this is the shit that's really hard to get to the to the common person that is just watching with a watchful eye. This is the the hard part to support in any of those people that have been career politicians. But you know, and now they're trying to You know who make we can agree up.
1: that we that should not be president? I think we can all Who's agree that? and based off the reception I've seen online is Kanye Bro. West.
0: Bro, I don't hate on my man Kanye.
1: <laughs> Listen, man, I, I I love him. I I thought he may maybe had a chance, but did, did,
0: did you see? Did you see his speech? Yeah,
1: about wanting to give everyone the baby a million dollars, which I'm all about, so that's fine. But then he goes on this thing about Harriet Tubman didn't actually free slaves, and a bunch of other things. I was like, hold, hold, hold on, man, that's that's not true. I mean, there is bro. So tell much. me
0: he's tell me he's not Alex Jones. Just looks different.
1: Oh, he's he's 100. He's he's a crazy uh, black Alex Jones.
0: But he makes killer ass music. So if Alex Jones stepped his game up and made good country music, I don't know what he listens to. Maybe we'd like him more.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I just it'd be one of those things. I mean, because he does have a bipolar disorder, and this isn't the first time that you know we've seen it. He's he's had some type of incident every time there's been like a right before like an album release or a product line drop. So uh, it's just I, I don't think that's a great uh quality to have as president i mean whether it is or not he's missed so many of the actual (coughs) things to submit uh information to to qualify that that's he's not going to make it through
0: well check this out if he did if he was president i mean this would be the biggest gambit of finding information on a person ever you know like they would have unlimited resources of crap to talk about kanye as a president so i mean yeah even if even – let's say – let's just give him the benefit of the doubt. Say he had world-changing, if not globally changing um, um, ideas that he brought into the White House and wanted to get passed, right? Say they were on par with being like he could be one of the greatest president if he got all this bill passed. Sure. You're still fighting against the other party and now you're fighting against social media – and now you're fighting against a parties and and I should say parties that have infiltrated social media. So now you run the gambit of the smear campaign for all your years and everything you try to do that's progress. And now you get a guy like Kanye in there and let's say he has the best policies. You're never going to see him. So it doesn't matter who you put in there that has the best policies no. anymore. We've it, it, we've it, gotten it would just to be a like point.
1: Trump just a little bit worse in the sense of, you know, the dirt they're trying to bring up to him. Um, who he's trying to cater to at the moment? I mean, that, that, that's all. It would be at this point. I think we've seen that. Hey, if we can get Trump elected, who was you know the the host of The Apprentice, and we're doing Kanye West, who you know basically has uh, Adidas and you know his his own you know music line and all that kind of stuff. It's it's no different. Like right. it's like great. Yeah, I, I, I love that you have great ideas and ideals. And honestly. If it weren't for his bipolar episodes, I think that he would have some great success just because he's always been the kind of guy that, hey, you've told me that I can't do that. Watch me. I think that he would be the kind of guy that would would try at least to get his ideals across and and put in place in legislation and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, like you said, when you're fighting against a a two party system pretty much and it's either my way or the highway, it's you're going to find, you know, a, a wall in front of you either way.
0: Well, the thing is, man, is now there's there's just so many dirty schemes that are played in why wa- the I mean, dude, Washington D.C. has just turned into an all out, just straight up silent warfare, like like area. I mean, just for all the politicians, you got smear campaigns out there, you got fake things to make this person look bad. I mean, maybe it's because I've been watching House of Cards again. Oh, but that's dude, such a great shit, show. <laughs> I know, but it paints. It paints Washington in a, in a really bad light because you see how easy it is for these politicians to ruin somebody and and gain a position or or make progress on their bill. It's like, sorry, I'm going to bribe you here. Oh, you won't accept my money? Well, then here's a blackmail thing. And it's like, what? I haven't done that. And then they take a picture and then they plant the thing in the background. It's like, well, you know, you didn't. But everyone's going to believe you did. And it's like, dude, that stuff is like, is probably happening up there. And if not, probably it has in the past for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's been so many. I mean, did you had a president uh, Nixon with the you know like try Watergate thing, you know, or uh, people forget that so Water-
1: easy. And it's like, hey, yeah. that that wasn't that far away. I mean, that was back in the was it the late '60s or early '60s, something along those right. lines. It, it was only like you know thirty, forty years ago, and that was a an intense thing where he got you know impeached and out of office. So it's well, like, hey, it would surprise reason, me if something crazy like that happened again. And people are like, oh, well, that could never happen. I'm like, uh, did y'all forget about Nixon? Like, it's literally what in the I history lo- books. Yeah.
0: What I love about people, dude, like your common person, is they really want to believe that Washington, D.C. is is just full of hardworking Americans that work for your best interests. And they get up every day to sign that bill for you so your district can get 20 million jobs at the shipyard. And and it's really not the case. (laughs) It's like these people have been here for forever and they're doing things that are advantageous for them and their party and their position. And, you know, also their financial uh, stuff, you know, and their financial security. So there's a lot of shady shit that really goes up, uh, on there, but they're really the most powerful people, so who's going to tell them no? And so yeah. that's why it's a dirty game back and forth, and that's why you got the party thing. It's like, yo, I know what they do, but we can do it better. And if it's not like that, it's like, yo, I know what they do, so let's take them down. And and we hope that that's the case, but it's really kind of like, oh, they're playing dirty? Well, we're get, we we got to play dirty to get back. And so it just becomes fire against fire. It's just a the game.
1: That's all it is at the end. Yeah. You've got one hand where you're trying to balance keeping your your seat in power and <laughs> you know keep up uh with good with everyone else and the other hand you're trying to you know a- appease your your base or whoever you represent and usually it doesn't you know go well in balancing on, on that side. But you know it, it's going to yeah. be like that for for a good while until so we uh, we actually make some changes. I think not only as, you know, a nation but individually. I mean, we've got to start you know, coming together and right now, we've, we're divided on the sense more so than ever that I think in from a political standpoint. And so I think like like you said, I think November is going to be a very interesting um, time, especially since. Did you see that Trump's talking about um, pushing the election back until things are in a better spot? <laughs>
0: and a, I was like, that's uh, just crazy. I didn't even know he could do that. He
1: can't. So I don't oh, know. OK, like, like, from a legal standpoint, he can't do that. That's a set from from Congress and uh, the Senate, I believe. Not, I don't think you can do a presidential um, sign off on that.
0: <laughs> well, well so, I mean, yeah, maybe that, he doesn't I mean, know that he's like, I'm gonna try crazy. it anyway. Well, what, what if he's? What if the next step is just him being like, you know what? Nah, I'm just gonna be president. Y'all can just figure it out. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, you can't do that, Trump. You have to have an election. He's like, no. He's like, we're well, push back I just uh,
1: placed a call to all the generals. Uh, the army says I can do it. So, what are you gonna do?
0: What are you gonna do about it? You, you defunded the police. They're not
1: gonna come arrest me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, it's just wild. In the November, November is what it's all gearing up for, man. So, you know, besides uh, corrupt politicians, besides the debate on if hydroxy Q will kill you or not, or is good for you to use. Uh, Jelaine Maxwell, she's, we, uh, she's still doing her thing. Well, How about
1: we, uh, l- l- let's switch it up to, uh, talk about something a little more positive before we hit that. Uh, cause I know that's going to be a big one. Let's talk about sports for a minute. And I know uh, oh, okay, you're sure. going to be really surprised <laughs> about this. I'm not a huge sports guy. And I think most of the people that I know and have played with know that, I mean, the first thing they say is like, who's your favorite team? Like, uh, you know, the Cowboys when they're playing or winning.
0: But well, that's how I know you're not a sports yeah,
1: <laughs> you should, yeah, you yeah, mm. you should know. But over the weekend, mm. dude, I watched the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. Oh, Holy come on. Holy shit, that is amazing. That dude, dude had makes, so much work ethic, it blew my mind. Like I, I my favorite
0: thing about it yeah. was that no one no one knew how much of a dick he really was. Oh, I know. <laughs>
1: but it makes sense like you don't have that drive and you can't be nice to everyone because like that, that's just the way you you're are and you're built
0: no but it made all those players better and you got to think dude uh and you probably don't know this i don't know if you do or not but one of the guys that was on his team became a coach for the golden state warriors steve kerr yeah and because of all that stuff he put him through all that hazing and in practice he made him become so damn good that he started relying on him in championship games, playoff games. And then that guy becomes one of the most successful coaches we've ever seen uh in present day with the uh, Golden State Warriors. So, he was he was a dig, but he was a really good dig. Oh, yeah. That made his players way better and and none of them were really ever the same after he left and that in that team has never been the same after he left. So it's like once in an era player that guy is, or it was, yeah. Well, probably still is. Oh, uh,
1: I, I believe so 100%. But the, the weird thing is, like, growing up, like, as a kid, you always knew that as Michael Jordan, he was the best, you know, basketball player in the league for sure. But it this documentary really opened my eyes into one, he's, he's not just the, the best player in the league. I think that that work, I think made him the best, you know, player in sports in general. Just because, like, yes, he didn't have the highest stats. He didn't have, you know, the greatest, craziest moves. But he was the most consistent, and he would do whatever he needed to do in order to make that win. I mean, there was one part of the documentary where uh, he talks about they had, uh, I guess, after a game, um, some of the guys working out from the other team, and one of the other players said some kind of snotty to, to Michael. And Michael's like, okay, I'll show you. And years later, they asked him about it. He's like, "No, nah, I made that up because I needed something to uh, get me in a, in a pissed off mood to win the game the next day."
0: I'm like, "Well, he knew he's been solid." Yeah,
1: but you don't see that anymore. I mean, yeah, we see a lot of great players, and game. like I, I watch from time to time. But that documentary really opened my eyes to like what it took to be the best and the height of, you know, a a really solid player and a work ethic. You know, I mean, I think uh, one of the last games he played, I think it was like in 97, he was so sick and he still finished the game. Like most people would have been yes. like, I'm done, you know, tag someone else in. And he's like, nah, I've got this. I'm like, it's, it's a new appreciation it's no doubt. for your work ethic. Whether you're in sports or something else, like that's the kind of work ethic I would want to have besides being that his oh, yeah. dick.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that kind of goes with the territory yeah. is what I was trying to say is like, It goes with the territory when you're that good and you're that driven and the guys that are surrounding you are not picking up the pace, you are going to naturally exude your leadership qualities. And however that comes out is just you being unique to you. Um, So I think we could all agree that Michael Jordan, one of the best at work ethics, one of the best players, if not the greatest player to ever grace the court. I think with my, in my opinion, that when you watch that documentary, it hints on something. Hints on something very serious that today's players have to go through. And I'm like a broken fucking record on this podcast, but it's social media, dude. So in that documentary oh, yeah, yeah. you watched when when Jordan uh when Jordan's father was, was killed. Yeah. And he had to find <clears throat> out, you know. He found out through, you know, I think he was is through through family, but he had a really tough time, which led to one of his first retirements and into into uh, baseball baseball yep. uh he had a really tough time with the newspaper articles and they were going after him and if that forced him to quit there'd be no way that with his mind set he could survive in today's game if all the same things happened so apply the same factors that made him great and apply his whole entire timeline now shift it over to the new millennium and starting in 2000 which is right right around the time he actually retired from the wizards but um yeah, so apply it to now, and he was so shook up by the words of other people. He it really fired him up to do great, but it, it was a mental battle with him, and he also had um, problem with you know the front office too. Yeah, which I don't know all the you know all the players seem to have a problem with the front office in today's game, and uh, and so I just think that it hinted on if he was in the NBA today, I don't think. I don't think he would have held up well, not as far as competition. I think when it comes to competition and physical attributes, Michael Jordan's the dude. But uh, it could when been. it comes to mentality, mental, mental stability, I don't think he was. Yeah. And that's why I have, that's why I have hats off for, uh, for LeBron James, dude. He goes through all that shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think that again, this, <laughs> this is just because uh, of watching this, this documentary and like seeing like how he reacted to certain things. I think that if he was, you know, during this day and age, if he was in his prime, I think because of his drive and his his, uh, work ethic, that he probably would have pushed a lot of that to the side, uh, like, hey, I'm not on social media, I'm hardly on the news, I'm just doing my thing. And that seemed to be kind of his thing, because like, he didn't care what was going on, yeah, of course it's going to take a toll, because you're still going to hear, you know, little things here and there, of what's going on, you know, on top of, you know... Having the the team on your shoulders, pretty much. I, I think he would still well, do pretty well, but again, I, I do see your point, and for sure, LeBron is definitely one of those. But at the same time, it's still a very different player. So that that does 100%. play different in two things, because like again, if you're in that game and you've got that mindset of like of LeBron James, I think that that's why he's able to handle the things of now. Versus he doesn't have the same um, winning mentality, um, I think, as Jordan. Did. And that's not a Now, I'm not saying that he doesn't want to win because, of course, we all do. And I'm sure he probably does way more than most of us. I think it's just a very different uh, drive. It's like if, if you put them side by side, they're going to have a good amount of space between them on how they go over the same obstacle.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think there's clearly a mentality difference. Um, But as far as a physical thing, like you put Michael Jordan in his prime up against LeBron James in his prime or LeBron James now, and I still think Michael Jordan edges him, but it's a close game. I think the dudes are superhuman. I think they they know basketball better than most, even in the NBA. Um, But, you know, I think Michael Jordan was a freaking alien, bro. Like he was – some of the stuff that he started – uh, and the, some of the things that he did, the points that he put up in games, like it, it speaks for itself in that documentary. Oh, my thing was, yeah. I just think, I just think like if he, w- the one thing that stood out to me in that documentary was how much like the press got to him. And I'm yeah. like, dude, if, if that press then was getting to him, oh my God, could you imagine now? Because it's, it's a thousand times worse. Oh it's yeah. A thousand times crazier, No,
1: And I agree you with know? you there. Um, I, and again, another thing that I think is that the, reason why he was such a um, outcast or alien, if you will, of how he was approaching the game on, you know, each game was his last. I think he was bringing that type of new mentality of pushing yourself to the NBA um, during the nineties. And I think that's why we see the players that we see now today. So like when you say like LeBron James um, versus Jordan would be a very close call, I a hundred percent agree. It could be even almost a tie because Now, a lot of the players of, you know, today, they have more of that drive that I think Jordan brought to the NBA. And again, I'm not a huge sports guy. This is just doing a lot more research after watching this documentary and and seeing like the up close interactions. So it's it's very, you know, different because, you know, I've seen all the arguments online of like, oh, well, who would win in a one on one? You know, James versus Jordan or even uh, Kobe Bryant versus Jordan and it's like
0: well it's such a funny debate because it won you'll never have an actual answer ever so it's just it's just to argue about yeah. literally it's the only one <laughs> you'll never <laughs> have the answer like <laughs> it's 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 stupid but hey but even even as not a sports fan i think you you can agree that that documentary pumps you up to watch some basketball or even like go look up the old games that he played
1: oh 100% i'm i'm already yeah. starting to uh, find out like what the schedule is just to because I think basketball, that based on the documentary, made me want to, like, okay, you know what? There's a reason why I watch this game. There's a lot more that goes into it than I've maybe seen with, you know, um, you know, football or anything else like that. But sports are back. Yeah, I get it. Um, what do you think so far? Sports I know are the, back. I haven't seen any of the games yet, um, but I know that they're doing a they're- lot of, like, social distancing <laughs> and guidelines for yeah. stuff, which is ridiculous.
0: I've watched a few games, a few MOB games, uh, a few uh, if yeah about one or two uh, basketball games, not the whole things, but just kind of in and out watching them and I've seen a ton of UFC cards And the one thing that's weird is like no fans in the stands, right? Mm-hmm. Well let's let's go to UFC real quick and it's like man, it's kind of eerie watching the UFC cards these days because like you hear everything in there and there's so much silence. And the one thing I dig is when somebody hits somebody, man. Like you almost feel it through the, through the TV, oh, man. Know. Like you hear that thud. I think one thing that's really cool is like you can hear all the coaches and everything they're saying, and then you watch their fighters like apply it, and it, that, that's pretty cool because like I used to I used to spar and I used to do all that stuff, but like never like really with a coach in my ear like saying that. So it was like uh, like hearing hearing like these coaches like say like uh, like oh he's he's Not hitting with his left. His left hand's hurt. And the guy's like shying away from his left hand because like, I don't know, he he did something to it when he threw a punch and then they go and attack it. It's like, I wonder if that ever worked before because it was so noisy with the attendees, right? That's a good point. In the crowd. Yeah. So it's like, I, I don't know who, I don't know if this person's better or they just have more resources now because there's not so much shouting in the ring. It's really silent, but you can hear the coaches and you can hear the commentators like giving their opinions a dual blade on
1: that too because like when you're in that kind of environment or ring uh when you hear the roar of the crowd like you're you're focusing on your opponent for sure but you've got this kind of wall around you and yes you're in a ring but that wall of sound that's around you kind of isolates you of where you're at versus when there's no one there it's so quiet that all you hear is you know the movement of you and your opponent's feet you hear your coaches and the announcers going off and I wonder how that plays into things, like how different it is.
0: Well, I think, I mean, I know we talked about this on a previous podcast, but I think that's the main reason why you got Conor McGregor that, you know, that, that took a retirement. I don't know if he's coming back, but I think that's the reason you see it is he was never the fighter to fight in an empty crowd. And so I think, I don't know if it's, it's weird. I don't know if it's better fighters now because they're like, okay, no distractions. I get laser focused or there's worse fighters. Cause they're like, man, I really fed off the crowd. Like when I when I got hit like and they were chanting my name, I actually got back up. You know who knows, right. right? But it's definitely a diff. It's definitely a different thing. I I dig it because it's like it's more of like an intimate. Like okay, these dudes are really battling. Like it's not really a crowd to show off in front of. This is a fight, and like you kind of feel that when you watch it. Um, and then I watched some baseball, and it's really weird because there's like cardboard cutouts of people behind the umpire and stuff what? like to where they yeah it's like they're trying to like fill in fake fans not only do they have fake fan noise which is just weird because you know no one's there but you're still hearing it <laughs> i but i uh, read an
1: op-ed that someone thinks and like 10 to 15 years that baseball is gonna be a lot less popular and even go down um just based on um attendance and, and sales and stuff like that and because of the type of sport it is versus something like basketball or football or even uh, soccer where there's basically almost constant movement. I mean, think about it. Like when we do like barbecues over a baseball game, you're talking with at least the ones that I've been to. You're talking with someone, you're, you're eating, Maybe you're you know, playing a game or having a drink or whatever it is. Like you're watching the, the highlights of the game almost, you know, within a 15 minute, you know, uh, quarter or whatever it is. You know, you're watching snippets here and there to see what's happening, but are you fully watching that 100%? So I wonder if that's going to play into things at all, you know, in the next 10, 15 years.
0: Yeah, I will say, man, uh, baseball to me is a lot like like soccer or hockey. Like when you're there, it's the funnest game ever. Yeah. When you're watching it, when you're like watching it on TV, it's a little different. And you can be like because it's really all about that dopamine release like in your brain. You're like, oh, my gosh. Constant action in football, constant action in basketball, and then it's a lot slower when it comes to the other sports. And like as far as scoring, because that's really what people want to see. They want to see the knockout. They want to see scores, runs batted in, um, and they want to see goals like in 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 soccer. And when those aren't really happening, and you get those one to zero final score games. Then yeah, you can be like, oh, I'm probably not gonna tune in for the next one because that wasn't really that wasn't really uh, fun, right? Well, it's like, well, your defi- your definition of fun is like a shootout, but you'll get that you'll get that in a fast paced sport like basketball and football, you know? Yeah, and uh, and so it's just kind of your taste, man. I don't know if that's a factual article, but I don't know if it's not because it was just I more mean, like a hypothetical. Been around. And I
1: know that because yeah. like um, baseball is you know like America's pet. You know, favorite pastime or the almost the official. Dude, sport. They, they better
0: take, they better take bourbon with it if they kick out MLB. <laughs>
1: God, I, <laughs> hell no! Like that's not happening anytime soon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, dude. You would
1: cry. I would be so sad. I'm like, wait a minute, just bring it back. I I take back everything just I said. Bring,
0: <laughs> I love Baseball Babe doesn't Ruth. suck at all. <laughs> it doesn't suck. No, I get it. I totally get it though. It's America's pastime. Um, I think it'll be here. They also are like the richest company out of all other sports. I mean, go look at a at a contract. In yeah, the MLB I was going to say, don't they have else. some of the
1: highest contracts around?
0: Oh yeah, by far. But I mean, Patrick Mahomes just broke that for the NFL. Yeah, you know, so like that's that was cool. Five hundred million or that. whatever. But that's one dude. I mean, like that one. There's like a lot of those contracts in the MLB. Probably not that much, but around that same ballpark. Pun intended.
1: I'm sure that the lowest um, MLB player gets close to you know some of the mid-tier NFL players. Like who is it? Um, is it uh, someone just got signed? I think by the um, not the Buccaneers, um, by New York, and like I think they're uh, for a quarterback contract, and it was like one to two million dollars. It was something stupid low that I was like, you guys got him on a, a jackpot or something.
0: Yeah, I mean, think, I think about it. I think it was Dak Prescott. No, not Dak Prescott.
1: It was someone I saw in the no. news. No.
0: Dak Prescott's not even waking up for less than a million. Yeah. Like, he wants, he wants an absurd amount of money from, from the Cowboys, but I don't think he's that good. So come out, me <laughs> Cowboys fans. Uh,
1: so something else to, to, to uh, take out. So with all, you know, sports coming back. And But in a limited capacity, um, pretty much. And since we honestly don't know uh, as a whole like when this COVID stuff is going to die down to the point where it's semi-normal again, a lot of players have decided they're not coming back yet. Um, I saw that Mike Leak from the Diamondbacks and Ryan Zimmerman with the Washington Nationals, they've decided they're not coming back to play yet. So...
0: Yeah, I'm a I'm a Packer fan, and we had a we had a big wide receiver that we signed in the offseason opt out um, because of COVID and stuff. So I think it's interesting you brought this up. My thing is is like you're starting to see players opt out and they're just getting free money to sit. I mean, it's kind of smart, right?
1: Yeah, like, that's well, I don't kind have of what to. I, I don't too. have to
0: get. Well, think about the caveat. The caveat is like, okay, I don't have to get hit and and almost get paralyzed or get a concussion, and I and. And I don't have to catch this potentially harmful disease. Um, but I can get free money and sit out on my butt and watch these people play? Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm going to opt out. You know, it's like it's a no-brainer. And I think the more people you see doing that, which, dude, it's in their contract. It's, it's totally free their right. You're and, totally
1: entitled to do that yeah. if you want to do that.
0: And so if they do that and you see start to see more, 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 more people do it, I, do, I think – all this does is get closer to a NFL season not being a thing. And there's a lot of people that are saying that too, you know, that's su- that kind of support that. But I truly believe, like, if everyone starts opting out and you get a majority rules here, I think they might just shut it down, dude, for the season, you know?
1: Yeah. And I wonder, like, how that's going to affect, you know, the players that are opting out, if they're still going to maintain, you know, um, a physique or training for when things come well, back. We're
0: seeing it. Yeah, we're seeing it now with basketball. So I had that same exact uh, uh, thought about basketball because it's such a cardio-heavy sport. Right. And I okay. was like, these dudes are sitting around on their butt for like two days, even just one day. Maybe, maybe they just needed to relax. But if they're like just loafing around for majority of the time that they're off, you're going to see it on the court. And lo and behold, dude, you got teams coming out like my Houston Rockets. Uh, they're coming out swinging, dude, and they're coming out looking really good. So it's like, um, I think when you're an athlete and you're a professional athlete, you're getting paid millions of dollars. I don't think those teams want allow not, allow you not to be checked in on, allow you not to like report or. And also, I don't think when you're making that much either, that in a star on the team, I don't think you want to come out loafing, you know, because again, you're so accountable to one a gigantic team but also social media is going to clown oh. you. And a, lot of, and a lot of people don't like that. that. that so it's like everyone's kind of one. looking yeah, for
1: sure. And with yeah. all the, um, the amount of players and staff that I've seen that have gotten, you know, tested and tested positive for COVID, it's going, I'm kind of curious, like, okay, if you have a majority of the team that they shut down, but say, you know, some other of the teams, they didn't get shut down because they didn't have any tested or whatever it is. And they compete and they win, you know, uh, a final or whatever it is. I wonder how that's going to affect the teams that felt like they were left behind and how the NFL is going to address that. If they're going to get the chance to make it up or if they're like, hey, man, it's tough luck. I'm sorry your players, you know, weren't up to it or whatever the case
0: is. I feel like it's the tough life thing because that's just how I see the NFL working these days. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's just how I feel, man. I feel... I feel like there wouldn't be really in, any really uh, remorse about it. So but who knows? Yeah. Who knows, man? At least we have sports back is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least sports are here. Um they're weirdly presented right now because of, you know, no fans, but But they're here. and uh, I I look it up from from an outside perspective.
1: It's a part of the culture that we need to come back to get to a somewhat sense of normalcy. Even if no one's there in the stands, we can at least go turn it on, (laughs) you know, on on CBS or whatever it is and and watch a game like, okay, hey, with all the crazy crap that just happened, you know, people still losing their jobs, still trying to figure out how they're going to pay rent or whatever it is like I can turn on the game and feel you for at least for an hour you know a sense of normalcy well
0: and that's that's how it always was man that's why uh football for the longest time if not forever always being on a Sunday man it was always the weekend everyone was off you know if you were working just the regular type of job and it seemed like the the get-together day to watch the team and forget about all of the hardships in life for at least three hours until it was over and then it was back to reality you know And that's kind of the beauty of sports, but that's also kind of the thing that we all got addicted to is it was the break from reality, like sports were. But I think we got caught up too much in that to where that became reality and it was just all about sports. I mean, myself included. Before I started doing this podcast probably two years ago, I couldn't have told you anything about a bill in Washington, D.C. I couldn't have told you about anything like research worthy. I was just really up in sports. I knew everything about sports, but it was like I was like, "Well, hey man, I mean that's cool, but are you in sports broadcasting?" I'm like, "No. Do you do anything with sports?" No. <laughs> well, it's like okay, you just know well, a bunch of stats. More power to you. You just know a bunch of <laughs> shit about sports, you know? It's like cool. It's like, You're the so, guy that I would text like,
1: "Hey man, uh, this is going on, what do you think?"
0: <laughs> yeah, and I would have all the answers for you on sports, but now it's it feels nice to be a little bit more balanced on things to where like sports haven't really essentially taken a back seat. But they're not like the first and foremost where it's everything I think about. I can't wait till Sunday. I'm just letting the hours go by so I can watch that next Packer game. And it's just like, no, I got, I'm i living life now. So I feel like that happened for a lot of people in this pandemic, like put it into fruition, like, um, like the important things in life. And I think everyone's kind of responding to that. But it is nice to have sports back. But everyone's like, dude, we kind of had a bad relationship before. Yeah. So now we're going to have to take the slow sports. You know, stop touching me there, sports, because it's not good. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. But <laughs> anyway, there's a sex trafficking ring. Yeah, let's
1: what? Let's, let's, let's do it. Um, okay, so that um, okay for anyone who has been keeping up with the Epstein Maxwell um, conspiracy or pandemic, whatever you want to call it, Miss, Miss Epstein. Epstein.
0: Uh, quick backstory, and I w- I don't know Go on. Ahead. I don't know why the world doesn't address her as that. Miss Epstein? Yeah, because you, you even go out there and you say, Miss Maxwell. Everyone's like, who the hell is yeah. Miss Maxwell? And and then you say, Miss Ms. Epstein, and everyone's like, oh, that bitch. Yeah, I know. And it's
1: <laughs> like, guys, y'all know. Like, do, why don't you just call her for what it is? Y'all are trying to be respectful yeah, at the, the most unneeded time right now. Just call her for what she is. I mean, she's a sex trafficker.
0: Dude, straight up, man. And so... Have you seen or oh, maybe you're yeah, ask, yeah, no, oh, you yeah I'm just care. gonna Let's do go a before.
1: quick recap for anyone who's listening right now is basically uh Maxwell or Miss Epstein was arrested uh was it last month or a couple months ago um, and anyway, yes, yeah, she was apprehended right, then, yeah. so they've set a trial date for uh, about the same time twenty twenty one next year um, but recently, um, about a week week and a half ago, a judge ruled um, to release a bunch of is it depositions? Is it just deposition? Uh, it's
0: just based. Yeah, no, no, no. It's just unsealing all the documents, and depositions are okay. in there. But it's just unsealing all the documents that are on the table for what she's okay. Up I, I couldn't. Get, That's essentially couldn't what it
1: get is. a clear yeah. um, answer of what all was going to release. Yeah, a bunch of documents yeah. um, on the the Epstein case. Pretty much
0: everything in the case is in there. Everything from that case, right? right. So.
1: Um, okay. And so a few days ago, it's been officially released. Now there are some redactions, but the funny thing about this, and I don't know if you know this, uh, Pat, um, they are speculating that, it's, that it was just the lawyers themselves who redacted a bunch of stuff and not the type of redaction where um, from a, um, a tech standpoint that it's actually redacted. So some people were like pulling the entire document, putting like a notepad, and they're able to see the redactions. Which is crazy.
0: Whoa, that is crazy. And so I haven't seen those. Yeah, I I, ha-
1: I haven't been able to um, get that same point, but I've seen uh, the side by sides. But pretty much like from a um, in the legal community, when you're the lawyer, you're normally not the ones doing the actual redaction. Like you send that down to either your tech department or someone that they specialize in doing it because there is a certain way you have to do it, so it's actually redacted and not you know actually readable by putting it in another program. So they're speculating that Mm. the lawyers themselves did it for whatever oddball reason. But anyway, now that you guys are caught up, let's go and talk about it because it came out a few days ago. I haven't had a chance to read the entire way through. I just started reading the first, I think 30 pages today and kind of reading some summaries on some other people that posted about it. But what do you think about this so far?
0: Well, first off, I think that when you get a chance and this is to the listener as well as Micah is like, if you get a chance to read these documents, Let me just say that I'm up to page 685. God, God. this thing is this thing is two thousand and twenty four pages long. Um, It's going to take some time to go through. But what I have seen through there are like the flight logs. Um, I want to say Virginia Jeffrey Guffrey, Um, uh, that the woman that's suing against them for 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 her getting sexually abused by many people on their account. She's the one fighting them, Miss Maxwell. Miss Epstein's the one defending herself. So anyway, uh, what I have seen in there is just a bunch of like uh, pretty hard to read uh, things that they did to her. Um, a lot of this, too, from what I'm finding out, it was uh, covered in that Epstein documentary. Uh, Virginia makes an appearance. I want to say in like episodes like one through four, maybe if not. I think she
1: through. does most of them from what I remember.
0: Yeah, and so what – most of the stuff just from her account on that documentary is stated inside of these documents. Now, I had to find that out the hard way because I'm on page 685. So it's going to take a while to get through this. Um, And when I say I'm on page 600 plus, I probably skipped a few pages like on the way. It's just a lot to read. So I need to like – Uh, but I'm I'm thankful that it's there. It's just gonna take time on my part to like not get obsessed with it and and chase that rabbit. But I'm gonna. But there's a lot of people out there doing the legwork for you. So this is where things like Reddit are cool. This is where things like private messages on uh, on Instagram and and uh, Facebook are cool. But uh, you can also go to Twitter and Twitter's an uproar in this right now with people posting a lot of opinions on on all these documents too. So. You can take their word for it. My favorite thing about it is that if they're lying about it, you literally have the proof in your hand. So if they're citing a page and they're citing the information, you can go look it up and see if they're right or wrong. So you don't have to play this. Oh, they're just lying. Right. They're a QAnon. They're they're in the cabal game. Like you don't have to do so that. So the biggest thing that um, I, I've is,
1: seen uh, in this document so far, and again, I've, I've been skimming it and kind of reading some summaries. Again, like you've mentioned, like uh, through Reddit and through some other um, forums, is that Clinton was actually there. She confirms that. You know, for the longest time, Clinton denied that he was on the island at all. You know, that he was on the the flight logs for what, like twenty three or twenty seven times, something like that. Uh, So she can
0: I can't believe people are allowing that to be an excuse. They're like, oh, I believe him. It's like or or why anybody is surprised that this is coming out. It's like in the documents, just so people know, it says that Bill Clinton was there with two underage girls on Epstein Island. So and uh, now here's the yeah, I don't know. Maybe you can clarify this, Micah. Was that from Virginia or was that from Jelaine?
1: uh, That that uh, Clinton was on the island with those two girls. This yes, because pr- it's from one it's of them. It's from, and- from what I remember and what, from what I'm read. It's from uh, Virginia. Now, the thing about that okay. is, and it, it sucks because you, you still have to have a, um, an overall um, viewpoint when you're reading these documents and how you're understanding them. Because um, you're like, oh, well, let's just put it in jail. Okay, but we still have a, a legal system that we have to kind of sift through. Is that he was right. there on the island and he was with the two underage girls. But she doesn't. I don't think she actually saw anything happen between them, because like the the verbiage in the depositions that I've read so far is not specific on you know whether he actually did something, whether she actually saw him. I, I haven't read anything so far that says like, hey, I would personally had to do anything sexual related to um, to Clinton. So I'm hoping that it's somewhere in there. If not. Really, the only thing it's going to do is going to place Clinton on the island. And I know that no one wants to hear that. But again, guys, you have to think about this somewhat from a legal standpoint, because, you know, whether in a court case they have to be able to tie someone to something in order, order for it to be true. Otherwise, we can speculate all the want. But the only thing that we have evidence wise, whether we believe, you know, whether we know it's true or not, is that he was only on the island with 200 girls, but they were just hanging out. Yeah, which which sucks, dude. <laughs> just, but
0: just, it's like just hanging yeah. out. For oh sure. no 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 no! And <laughs> I know. I know
1: for sure, it's not <laughs> it's not true that he just hung out with them. But you know, from a legal standpoint, I mean, that's why um, you know what's his name, Epstein got off by so much because they weren't able to tie um, a bunch of things. And on top of you know higher ups just you know clowning the case for some stupid reason.
0: Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we got to trust in the uh, judicial system right now uh, with everything they're doing with this. But, I mean, it's cool that all the documents are there. I was really surprised so, I mean, that have happened, a, too. Well, I think this judge, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with our previous episode where I talked about Judge, judge e- Esther Salas and the murder of her 20-year-old son Daniel, you know, by the FedEx guy dressed up have as a FedEx employee. Have we seen anything
1: else from that, um,
0: Dude, that thing? I, I have been following that story, and it has been crickets. It's so weird. Interesting. I've been following. If anybody's hearing this, I've been looking up this story, and I'm getting the same exact articles that I already had last week. So if anybody's got new, fresh stuff, one, where are you finding it? Two, send it to me.
1: And, yeah, we really uh, want to know about you, that.
0: You, you can email, email us at uh, wearetheguiltyparty at gmail.com. Send us all your stuff. Like, We want to see it. Have um, you seen anything? It only it only helps have you us. seen
1: anything if she's been re uh, accused from the case, if, re- if it's been reassigned to someone else.
0: No, um, I haven't seen anything on that now. I don't know if that's later in the thousands of unread pages that are coming up for me, Okay, but uh, it could be it could be in there. But we're, I mean, this is also like this is also something that everybody's following. So I feel like the updates are going to be coming out of the woodwork for this, especially leading up to November, because. Dude, Jelaine is a huge, a huge component to what goes on in these elections. I mean, she has the power to out names. Like, it doesn't matter what party they're on, dude. If they were involved and she has the power to prove it and out names. I mean, tell her she's got immunity and then then take it back. Like
1: after it's Yeah, that and I and here's a um here's a not not a thought. Here's a potential outcome that could be happening, a speculation, if you will. Um, I think she's waiting to see who uh, wins the November election. And the reason I say that is, okay, let's just say that for the, the sake of argument that Trump was on the island and that maybe he did something, whatever it is, that he, got, he has evidence on her. I'm sorry, that she has evidence on him. So let's say right now that she's like, hey, if you give me immunity, I'll go and hold you off on the names when I release this document, whatever it is. Okay, that great, that happens, but then let's say Biden wins in November. That means nothing. that means she's screwed because she outed him already, and somehow he skirted by or whatever it is, and then she's going to jail or gets you know gets gets killed, whatever it is. on the
0: flips dude, that was the first thing that was the first thing I thought when I saw that her trial was postponed until a year. That's from the now, only thing or that a makes year sense. from that date. yeah, like that was the first thing I thought is like I mean. She's literally the key to a lot and a lot of I mean, we all know without knowing, but we all know that there is some shady shit going on at a really high level and that she is literally the key holder to the names that that we're trying to prosecute in this. I mean, and I say we as humanity trying to take down this evil sex ring and uh, and so she's a major component to it. And so you're right, man. I mean, she she has said and I've even brought this up in previous episodes that, you know, she's got video on two prominent politicians having sex with underage uh, minors. And so I mean, like that right there alone, that hits in November. I mean, dude, it, I think it's I think it's all gearing up for that. I think it's exactly why her her trial is in what is it Ju- June or July of next yeah, year. yeah, and i and, I
1: think that it, she's gonna wait until let's say whoever uh, wins in November. Let's assume that you know Trump doesn't try and push the election or doesn't try and just stay in office. Let's just say, whoever wins in November, I could see her releasing that information or at least partial stuff to the FBI, whoever's the main person or department that's um, investigating her, and they move the trial up. Because let's let's just say Ooh. let's say you're one of the top FBI agents on the case. You're like, okay, I've got a year to sift through all this stuff. You know, the election comes. Whoever wins, whether it's Trump or Biden. Um, And then she releases information on, let's just say, Clinton, you know, 20 other. Let's just say it's to Clinton and a few other uh, politicians. You get that information. You're like, hey, this is going to one. This is going to put my um, my career on the map. And we can't we can't pretend that any of us who are in that position would not want to do the same thing. We're going to try our best to get that um, that that trial moved up. We're going to find some judge that yeah that is uh, wary to our case or that believes it partially, and they're going to at least try to move it up, I think, into spring.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I can see that for sure. I mean, it, dude, it's all interesting. I mean, like, it's kind of like, I don't know, this is kind of like the new sport, right? Um, everything that's going on with her, it's like this. Dude, I didn't even know who Epstein was two years ago.
1: I don't think I did and either. Now,
0: now this thing... Yeah, and I don't think anybody really did—not even his own next-door neighbor in in Florida. You know? Which is like, wasn't he? Wasn't he like someone well known? You yeah, were saying, yeah, it's
1: James Patterson. He's a uh, a New James York Times Patterson, best-selling right. author.
0: Yeah, he didn't even know who's living next door to him. I mean, this guy was super secretive. Now he's the poster boy for abusing women and, and trafficking women, uh, both minors and not minors, and and his wife, is now known as the madam. I mean, in these reports too. Virginia was saying that she would have orgies with these girls and then she would you know, uh, solicit them and tell them what to do afterwards, pay them, drop them off or send them on their way. And then she'd follow up with you for basically a recall or letting you know like, Hey, you need to move on from here. um, And you just need to get over it and go to parties and be in, be in the social scene again and just act like it never happened. Like she was also like following up. So if not, If not really important to Jeffrey Epstein's sexual obsession, she was like the ringleader like helping it, like the follow-up person, the solicitor, uh, the make them feel good, uh, the one that would pay them. I mean, dude, she's worse in my opinion.
1: I I 100% agree with you. And again, not to sidetrack, but here's another thing that I thought about. Because technology is so important in this day and age, I mean, we we know uh, from facts, from FBI court documents, and from this documentary that he had a whole bunch of you know camera set up to hard drives and everything like that. How was no one brought forth the person who set all this stuff up, and who's maintaining it?
0: I because they're probably dead. I don't
1: uh, yeah you could be right. I just I don't see him being the only one who knew how to set up everything. I mean. Oh no! You, Dude, you can't tell me that on his island he didn't have a ton more cameras set up in just the spots that you know they say they have video of. And it's like, okay, where did that go? Was it just offboarded to a, a single you know you know hard drive and kept with someone? Was it sent to the cloud? You know where it is? Is it just some on random uh, a random iCloud account that no one's just found yet? I mean, can you imagine if if WikiLeaks like just happened to break into the wrong? iCloud account, like, uh, holy shit, this is Epstein's hard drive with all this nasty crap that he had going on.
0: Well, so how I can prove that was in that documentary with the Epstein documentary, when they went to the island, uh, pedophile island, as I like to call it, there's a huge tower out there sending signals, a huge one. So you had Wi-Fi, you had all types of signals coming in, so there's no way that that whole, I mean, in his thing was to blackmail you to have you have sex with this underage girl so he had snot on you and and then use it against you so he could maneuver his tactics. That same thing was going on out there just at a way grander level. It's like, well let me take you to the island because that's where that you know this is where it really happens. And then you got a whole list of people. Dude, I haven't made it to the flight logs yet, but the flight logs that are gonna be brought up in these documents, that'll finally solidify the uh, the actual ones because there's been photoshopped ones out there yeah i swear like the list keeps getting longer yeah. so when i make it to that when i make it to that those are actually the the flight logs that are in the depositions like that that's gonna be huge because now we'll know the official names because there's been so much chatter about oh this this person's name this person's name's been, er- been eradicated from the list and it's like well now we'll see the official names that are being held in court or not held in court but brought up
1: yeah yeah
0: and it. That's gonna be a huge like,
1: breakthrough. Listen, I, I'm all about. I, I love a good conspiracy. I think they're fun. I think they're great. I think there's a very fine line on what you believe is true on that and what takes you into a rabbit hole. But it's very curious too that um, all these um, exposing cons- um, organizations like WinkyLeaks or the the newest one was it QAnon? QAnon. Yeah, Qanon. Uh, yeah, Qanon QAnons. and WikiLeaks and uh, I, th- I think Anonymous and a couple others that I really haven't seen any um, any chatter from them about this. And I know everyone's. Uh, I've heard the conspiracy like, oh, well, they're waiting to do the big reveal. I'm like, why do y'all keep doing this big reveal, like, dude?
0: I keep hearing about that, that. That you're the yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. There's supposed to be this big reveal. Like I, I keep hearing about this all over social media in Reddit's like the big reveal. I know. And I'm like, what the I, hell is this? To thing be honest,
1: about? I don't believe it. And and here's the thing: like, we live in a opportune society. This isn't something where you see the next day. Like, the one of the rare things was when we saw that Epstein, you know, was arrested. Well, it wasn't out of nowhere. It was you know years and years of them trying to nail this dude. And so when you're talking talking to me about a, a big reveal at the end of the thing, like, like here's a conspiracy if no one knows about this that I've heard that uh, QAnon, or QAnon um, is, is pushing is that Trump is this big, um, he's gonna expose the entire pedophile ring and all this stuff. I've seen the, the conspiracy videos, I've, I've seen all the, the, the tie backs too. But I'm like, listen, from a person who normally is gonna build up to something like that, you know, whether it's in politics or something else, I don't see an indication of with him acting up the way that he is, that he's gonna do this big reveal. It's not like, hey, we're working on um, attacking uh, sex trafficking here in the United States, and then all of a sudden the next day, like, hey, we found out based on this new information that we've been doing in our case that there's going to be a, a huge arrest. That's Well, if there is, yeah, I,
0: yeah, because we can't say no and we can't say yes. Like, I'm, I'm totally with you. It's like, yeah, I don't know if there's going to be this big reveal, but if there is, and just hear me out for a second. If it does happen and there's this grandiose big reveal of somebody getting proven to do something or whatever it is, it's going to happen in November. That's all I'm saying. Like that, It's the only month for it to strike because that's when all hell goes, goes down because the number one mission from the DNC, and like you stated before, is take down Trump. Even if it's Joe Biden who's sniffing kids publicly on stage at the, at the podium during all this sex trafficking – uh, we still need to get Trump out of there. So it's like, okay, if there's this big reveal going to happen, and this is this your whole statement and this mission for the DNC too is to take down Trump, it's got to happen in November because if QAnon is the counterpart to the Cabal, then QAnon is stating that their Trump is the savior, and Cabal is saying that Trump's the the enemy. Um, that's tying into this conspiracy thing, just using and just using their terminology. Yeah. Uh, then it has. Then it has to happen in November because if if you were dead set that Trump's the enemy, then you're not going to allow him to do anything to get four more years of power again, and vice ver- versa. If you think Trump is the savior, you're not going to allow anybody to uh, ro- to touch him or or hurt him, being uh, having another four years of power in this country. I, I agree. And
1: here's the thing about Trump. I really feel like that he's only got two chances of winning this this election. One, based on all the the social culture stuff we've had, you know with um, w- with the, the Black Lives Matter movement and, and all the the deaths and killings we've had over the last couple years, especially with um, George Floyd, I think that he either has to in October, November, either right before the election or whatever it is, Um, bring out some ginormous plan of how he's going to fix things. Because right now we really haven't seen too much. I mean, it's the same thing that Biden says, like, hey, we want to have change. I'm like, yeah, of course we do. But what change are you talking about? So
0: we want to do stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to do stuff. That's great. We want to do stuff. All right, cool. Yeah. All right.
1: (laughs) So it's like he's got to do something for that. Or, you know, like you mentioned in this this conspiracy from uh, QAnon, is that he's going to do this big reveal that, hey, we have evidence that there is a a sex trafficking ring here in the United States, and here are the culprits, and we've already sent out um, arrests, or we've already made arrests from all these people. It's Really, I think that that's the only thing that it boils down to. He's either got to do one of those two things, (laughs) or maybe he might just do the same thing he's doing right now, and just... Pander to his his base just like Biden is doing, and it'll be another close call like it was, you know, four years ago. Or, or yeah, man, do you know? Here's, here's another thing, and here's a, an opposing view. If nothing happens, let's say Biden wins, no one is going to believe QAnon for the rest of their existence, and two, they're going to start questioning a lot more. Um, and I hate to use this, but right wing uh, conspiracies. Because like right now, everyone is convinced from if you believe a little bit in conspiracies that QAnon is you know is on the right side and they they're right that there's this big reveal at November. But what if it doesn't happen?
0: Yeah, then then you're yeah exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. Like there's going to be no matter what, some side is going to lose come November because uh, either Trump wins the election. Trump doesn't win the election. I mean, it's it's very simple to put it that way, but what I mean is there's a bigger picture in the background. Like no matter what, even if there's not this reveal, then it's like the all these people and all this file sharing and all this conspiracy and all this crazy shit that everyone's put themselves through and also been put through. Right. Um and then it then nothing happens. I think that angers some people. That's why I think something's going to happen. Now, if it's this big reveal, I think it's already being I think it's just being put up on a pedestal too high. I think something's going to happen. And at whose expense, I don't know. But I just hope justice prevails and that the wrong people go down. The one, and, not, and I don't care what party they're tied to. I'm not tied to any party. And I feel like we got to stop getting tied to parties and start getting tied to policies and, and doing things that we actually want to see through. Now, if we debate on that and it's not just like, oh, you're left or you're right then I think we start making progress and you start talking about, oh, you know what's wrong with you supporting that policy? And it's like, OK, now we're making progress here. It's not like, you know what's wrong with you being Republican? You know what's wrong with you being a leftist? Y'all are all just peds. Or it's like you, you right wingers are all just a bunch of Christians and – And you don't believe in dinosaurs and shit, you know? It's like no, no, no. That's that's a good point. I really
1: like that. It should be more on the actual policy and of what the discussion is about, rather than the label of left or right, red versus blue. It should be like, hey, why? Why do you believe that way? Because again, I've always thought at the the core, if you had an honest conversation, like there's no microphones around, it's just you and another person. They have no. Um, worry about what someone might overhear and, and think I think that we are a lot more common than we would like to believe because you know I, course, I, I, we've yes. all seen like you and I we've seen those YouTube videos where they try to break a group together but you have to keep in mind like everyone is going to see that and at the end of the day we still as, as human beings somewhat care of what uh, someone else thinks of us no matter how much you say you don't there's a small part of you that that does But I bet if we had more private conversations or just conversations in general that weren't like publicized, like we're doing this as a a community and as as citizens and just as people, I think we were over a lot more centrist than we would care to um, admit. Like we would agree on things like, hey, you know what? You believe this? I may not believe that, but I also believe this other thing that we share a common interest with. Which is interesting because it's like that's what we need to have more of. I mean, again, you and I, there's stuff that you and I don't agree on, but there's a lot of things that we do agree on. And, you know, even though maybe we might be considered, you know, a certain political party, whatever it is, we have varying degrees on how much we are on either side of that side.
0: Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing is like, when did it get to the point where I, I don't agree with you that therefore I cannot be your friend? Like, I've, I, this has become a new norm here, and I'm me and you break that all the time. It's like, we don't have to agree on everything, because at the end of the day, life goes on, and me and your opinion, like, not, not matching up is not the end-all, be-all of things. We're having an open discussion, and I think that's the beauty in disagreeing with somebody you know, is because we're all different. So it gives you a chance. It's like that Jocko Wilnick uh, uh, podcast saying, Good. When there's adversity, mm, good. It gives amen. you a chance to think gives you a chance to think outside the box on a certain issue. Uh, I mean, dude, me and my wife are a great thing, uh, a great uh, example of that. We disagree on a lot of things, but you know what? Like she hears me out on things and I hear her out on things. And my perspective has shifted since I've been married. Hers has shifted and it's an equally yoked thing. It's like, okay, not everything's black and white. Let me show you a little bit of the gray area. And it's like, well, I don't agree with your gray area. And it's like okay, but think about it this way, and I'm like okay, but well, think about it this way, and then we do, and then we meet in the middle, or we or we agree to disagree and yes. move on. It doesn't have to be this. The battle wasn't won that day. I can't get over it. I mean, that's some baby <laughs> shit, dude. And I see it all over social media. Oh
1: yeah, no, no, no. Like, And you, dude, that that you hit the the nail on the head because like Beck and I are the same way. I mean, we come from totally different uh, cultures. I mean, I come from a an immigrant family, and she comes from a you know. A a standard white family here in in the South and in Texas, you know, um, and we our agree, not agreements, our um, our thoughts have definitely differed over the years and definitely over the last few years. We've gotten um, so much, so much better. I mean, even with the stuff, I mean, look, because I come from a, a immigrant background and because. My dad has also, you know, faced racial things, you know, in the early years, like in the 90s and the 80s and all that kind of stuff. I've had certain, um, you know, views uh, of how things are in life. And Becca's been like, OK, well, that doesn't make make any sense because I've never seen that or whatever. It is. And like you said, you know, you either agree, disagree or you figure out, like, how do you meet in the middle so you make the other per- person understand that's the why. That's the reason why you um, think about something the way that you do, and then vice versa. So that's what, what we need to get back to well, as a society. I, yeah.
0: I, it's like I don't care if you're the smartest person that ever lived on this planet. You still don't know everything about anything. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like that's that. You, like be a jack of all trades, but listen, listen better than you talk. Because the ones that just shout in debates, dude, those are the worst ones because they they just are so set in their ways. That they're not willing to listen or grow, and when you see somebody that's not willing to listen, you see somebody that's not willing to grow. So their debate tactic or their standpoint or mindset is literally limited. So I mean, when you start listening to that person for the go-to for all your information, you're capped. You're capped at a certain scent because he won't freaking. you li- won't. This he or she won't grow because they were not. They're not willing to listen. I've grown so much just of my my ability to be so wrong that I'm I'm not so proud to say I'm sorry. I'm not so proud to say like I know it all. I like I want to learn. That's why I ask these questions. It's one of the reasons we do this podcast. We reach out mm-hmm. to people too. Yeah, you know, and uh, so I think I think it's honestly a new talent to to listen, to grow, to try to to try to be better, or to try to. Because if you, if you can hear your opponent out on whatever issue it is in the opposing side, if you can hear them out and you can make a counter argument for the other side, it furthers your understanding of that specific issue. And when you start practicing that, uh, your debate tactics get a little better, but also your understanding and, and your well-spokenness on specific or said issue uh, is way better. It's way better to listen to. It's, like, it's way better to digest uh, when, you, when you tell it to somebody. So this is just – it just makes you better, and this is something I've learned um, over time, Um, but it's something I see on social media. It's like debating on social media with no tone, um, with just text and stuff, man. It gets gets so emotional so quick, and it goes nowhere, and there's always zero progress, and it's like – it's almost like I imagine everybody when they get done with that post going, okay, well, I guess we'll try again tomorrow. (laughs) It's like (laughs) – that's why I don't say that when you have those, I'm like,
1: I'm just going to sit back and watch, like, I'm going to get some popcorn. It's going to be good. And it always now, I is. did. I
0: did make a mistake. Yeah, I did make a mistake on this one. I had somebody on my post. Uh, they they weren't really debating about the post thing, but I'm a little sensitive when it comes to, you know, sex trafficking kids. And so when they, oh, were, making, I saw
1: that. Yeah. they were
0: making jokes on, yeah, they're making jokes on Pizzagate, I did lose my cool. So I was that douchebag for a second because I was... I did go off and I shouldn't have made it personal because they were just trying to debate right-wing people. They were trying to debate anybody that thinks Pizzagate's real. Um and they were also getting pissed off because people were getting personal on them. So neither side was right, neither side but, um and, wins and, at that. We just all got to yeah, each other's Yeah. And the
1: thing about you know? that I, I saw that thread is like that guy was just looking through blurred lenses. You know, whether you believe in Pizzagate or what? not, like sex trafficking is a very very real thing. Like the amount of research that I've looked into this, again, like it's something you hear about, but you kind of take for granted in a sense. And in Texas, like it's a very, very large thing, especially because Texas is a, um, a border state. You know, we have a lot of sex traffickers coming through um, the border, you know, illegally on top of the stuff that, you know, the ways that I've, I've been hearing, like how they get these young kids or even close to, you know, adults. A lot of times they get them from a, a battered home or uh, just a, a crappy situation that they entice them with, you know, like free, um, free lodging or, or food or uh, a better place, and then you get stuck into something. That they're like, "Hey, you're gonna do this, and if you don't, we're gonna kill you or your family."
0: Yeah, it's man, so it's, sad. It's it's super messed up, and you can so you can see why I was getting sensitive oh, yeah, yeah. about it. You know, it's like okay, it's like I don't care. I don't care if what we're debating on one, it had nothing to do with anything we were debating on. It was literally just to get a rise out of people and it got a rise out of me, but I took, I took attention away from the actual discussion. I won't really call it a debate on that post. That post had a lot of very intelligent discussion with doctors on the platform too, hearing from them. Uh, It became this really awesome thing. It just had a really a stupid side to it when it kind of just got emotional and emotional. And people were just, like, making fun of, like, Pizzagate and stuff, right? So I do apologize to the people I went off on on that. I did write y'all uh, a thing, too, on that post. But uh, I still don't think it was cool. But uh, I, I don't hold any ill will because I actually know those people. Uh, they're actually here where I live. And uh, and so I know that they were just trying to troll and stuff. But I lost my cool on that. But my point to that was like was, like, okay, debating over Facebook can get really hazy, really quick, and it can get emotional really quick. But I had a post that we've been talking about that turned into a really intelligent discussion where I actually learned some things about hydroxy q that I never knew about. Because you see all these, these floods of private doctor videos that are coming out where they're urging their patients to take it, where they're asking these questions that you're like, well, wow, yeah, they should be asking that question. And then I take to to talk to it and actually hear from uh, some doctors. And I got some really good insight, but not one person on there could tell me why it's okay to censor information that we haven't concluded as being absolutely false. We're just going off of our opinion saying it's false because the only closest answer I got was a, a doctor on there saying, well, tests are still being uh being uh, studied right now. And so we haven't got all the uh, concluded evidence back. Right, And I was like, cool. So you're admitting, you're admitting that there's not an actual final conclusion on hydroxy Q being detrimental to you uh, defending yourself from COVID-19. And not one person could answer that, you know, but I got to hear like how it could be, but I'm still confused on how hydroxy Q could be an over the counter supplement and have that much shit wrong with it that it can potentially do to you. I mean, that's weird, it, it's, right? That you can just go get well, it. Well, I mean, it's
1: not abnormal just because the... Um, I, I I don't take medication personally, but I know a lot of people close to me that have. And I've read the, the side effects and just the stuff that potentials. I'm mean, like, when you see those commercials on, on TV... They list you the side effects in about thirty seconds. That they, you know, is like oh, I can do this, it can do this, it can do that, it can do that, and do that. And like you don't really that's hear. That's right. That's it. But right. But then you actually look it up, and yeah. you're like, uh, should I be taking this? This is stuff my doctor is telling me to do. So it really doesn't surprise me a ton. Yeah, I think it's, it's just one of those. Like, hey, at the end of the day, it's a chance. It's like anything, any other type of medication. You know,
0: well, you it, mix it stuff, just could be. It could be it, too it, the it, shit. Could, the shit's so potent yeah, that it works. It could definitely <laughs> cure you. It could kill kill you
1: and you don't know because it's it's like science is not an exact thing. And I think people forget that. It's like, hey, we hope for the best based on what we see and look in front of us, but there's always stuff beneath the skin. I think that <laughs> I think that God created us in such a way that you're never gonna fully understand the human body. And so at the end of the day, you know, no, uh, we hope dude. for the best. And if, if it works, great. If it doesn't, man, it's you know, Ed, I think that you just have to stick with your decision that you you stuck with. If you wanted to go ahead and do it, go I for think. it. If if not, then you know, I'm, yeah. that's up to you. But anyway, uh, we got to wrap no, this I up uh, right. in a few minutes. And the last thing I want to talk about, for just for a minute or two, is the state of the music industry. Um, yes, Pat, I know that it. you've been doing uh, playing a couple shows. You know, the the last few weeks, um, you've been doing some cool stuff over there. Um, I kind of want to talk a couple of things and then kind of hear your thoughts before we wrap up. So one, um, yeah, go for it. A lot of tours have been canceled for the rest of the year. I mean, the concert industry has already lost close to $9 billion with a B because of this pandemic. Um, along that, um, we've been kind of seeing like, Hey, well, where's music going right now? And we've kind of seen that streams have been the way to go for music. Uh, streams have gone up during quarantine and during this pandemic. I think it's due just because people are at home more and there's not as much to do, so they're putting more music on, which is great for the bands if they're making any money from this, because I know a lot of bands have lost a lot of money um, since you know February. I mean, I just saw that Ryan from uh, Fit for a King he just posted that um, they've lost close to four hundred thousand dollars worth in tours dropped. And like, that's a lot of money, and it's Oof. only August. Like, if tours are canceled for the Oof. next six months, like, what are bands gonna re- rely on for income?
0: Yeah, it's uh, well, I mean, it, it's something that touring musicians never really thought would happen. Um, and I know that kind of sounds hard to say, but I mean, we dude, we're touring musicians, we never thought this shit was oh, yeah. gonna happen, like, to where we're our, our industry would just be like, uh, based on permission to go back out. And it sucks know? because it's and like, like f- for
1: you, like you right now, you've got an Avenue right now uh, with, with both of us, not uh, being associated with the band anymore. I'm at the point where I'm back to where I used to be, you know, and that's the good old uh, higher gun situation. And right now it's like, no band is going out. So they can't tell you yay or nay, or maybe it's like, Hey, you're just going to have to wait, man. That, that That's all we're looking at. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people in my situation that they are hired guns. It's like, That was a source of income like now. Thank God that that's it's not for me, but it's like that. That's the situation that we're in right now.
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, being a hired gun for you, uh, you you hit a sweet, a sweet stretch, um, you know, but being a hired gun, it always really comes with its day to day updates because you don't know if you'll be in Spain playing for Nickelback one day or if you'll just be on the City Rock Fest (laughs) one other day, you know, I'm saying for three days, you never know you know it's like being a higher gun is like you're kind of an on-call on-deck person but it doesn't help it doesn't help the situation now when you got booking agents uh talking back to their band saying that they don't know what's going to happen they're just hoping they're putting out feelers they're putting out um um certain bids for things but then updates keep coming in and so there was like a couple tours man i think they were from like b-slotted bands that were like they announced something i saw it on facebook but they announced a couple tours there was like a couple bands that did this and they were like short runs they were like 10 right. shows and and then they were yanked down so it's like okay you could see that booking agents and bands went to book and sign contracts and and go that far and then it's still not pan out yeah yeah uh um, you know? especially i think and so it's like people are attempting yeah. to do it but uh it the follow I think right
1: now that the most we're going to see for the rest of the year. I think even past December is we're just going to see a lot of one offs at the moment, and we're going to see a lot of bands get um, clever and creative on how to build uh, up some revenue because at the day that you know you know they they've got to eat, they got to put um, pay bills and, and pay rent and all that kind of good stuff, and the band the fans want some type of way to interact with their bands, you know it.
0: Well, I think. Um I think Disciple, our buddies in Disciple, shout out to Joey, Josiah, Kevin, and Andrew sometimes. sometimes. And uh, <laughs> well, not not shout out to Andrew sometimes, but sometimes <laughs> he's with Disciple. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, no, I think what they've hinted on is something cool where they're doing these like live or these like intimate, like uh, streamed yeah. live concerts. You know, they just had the People's Choice one and that's really cool. I think they've hinted on something like that. I think you'll see bands follow suit in that. Um, and start doing these privately paid streamed shows, but it still won't be the hundred percent answer to it. But it is a get by remedy. Uh, now, what do I think the hundred percent remedy like or the hundred percent answer to the quarantine type tours are going to be? I, I dude, I really don't know, man. It's it's new. It's a new horizon for for this industry for sure. I think you'll see a lot more studio music being made right now. I mean you just had the CEO of Spotify come out and say you can't just uh, a surviving band can't just put out a an album once every 3 or 4 years like you need to consistently be making them. And I don't think anybody really waits that long. Probably some bands do. I think 2 years is like the max that you yeah. really want to wait. Um but yeah, this new normal's it's it's trippy for everybody. Um but we I mean I've been fortunate enough uh me and my wife have to have played a couple one-offs. Where shows are still going on, I mean they're like festivals, but they're not, they're not like consecutive. You know where you're going to go to this city and this city, uh, it they're just kind of sporadic and they're spread out, but it's it's fine. We got to play two shows during this quarantine, you know, and uh, and it helped a lot. And so for bands that can't, man, my my heart goes out to you. I mean, we didn't do anything special. We just happened to be the right place at the right time for these shows, and we we did them and honored our contracts and got on the road, you know, and. Uh, for these other bands like fit for a king dude losing four hundred thousand dollars and only getting four forty thousand back in the payment protection pro or paycheck protection program i mean that's a three hundred and sixty thousand dollar loss dude, that's yeah, heavy I mean, I mean I don't know how you come back from that i know they they will because they're a badass band and they've been doing it for forever but i mean it's it's gonna be tough man but uh, there's so one thing with artists that I know and bands is that exactly. we're creative and we're gonna and we're gonna get creative through this, and there there'll be something that comes out of it. And then, like everything in the in the music industry, is when one band starts doing it and it starts working, the flood comes in. You have a bunch of copycats out there. That's all and, we can uh, do at this point. And, I so, think and is, is, that's yeah, all anybody. I think can we're do.
1: all gonna get creative. You know, no matter what type of role you play, at least for the music industry, whether you're just a hired gun or you're in a a big well known band. I know there's some stuff that, like even me personally, I'm I'm working on. I'm planning. I'm trying to think. Okay, you know, if you know if I'm if there's three possibilities, what's going to happen in the fall? What am I going to be looking at? What can I do right now to build up to a point where not only am I going to hopefully possibly bring in extra revenue in the next you know six months to a year, you know, from a uh, consistent standpoint, but what else can I do to get? my name out there in order to bring, uh, build up my, my, my presence. Cause right now it's, it's a social media presence. You're either doing some type of social media campaign for, for new music or new content or whatever it is. I mean, like you said, the, with the the Spotify CEO, I think he's saying that you can't just put out, you know, an album for three years. You got to consistently put out new fresh things because that's the type of culture that we're in. We want to see things new, and one of the bands that I think has really capitalized on that is um, Bring Me the Horizon. They haven't put out a, a record since yeah. um Ammo, which uh, it isn't that old. I think it's like maybe a couple years old or so. But they put out a, a single last year. They put out another single this year, and that's why they're still staying relevant right now. And they're they're doing
0: yeah. So I, I think ahead. the album I think the album game is over. Like as far as like putting out an album, I dude. I think it's all about yo. Like, your album can be good, but there's always that one great song on it, you know? Yeah. From every album. Or you get one album that's bangers all the way through, but those are rare. And uh, and then those go down as legendary albums. Like, dude, I think the last record that we saw that did that was Motionless and White's uh, record. It was a banger all the way through. And uh, now that's my personal opinion. But, I mean, I think what it's coming to is the, the singles game. So it's like you have... You have a single, man. That one single can keep you relevant if it's that damn good of a song for half a year probably, you know? In some cases, maybe even longer, you know, where everyone's just jamming that one song and then you hit them with another one. And cool, you've only spent three of your songs in one year, then releasing your whole album and giving the whole thing away for, you know, $10. You just, you, you have three songs that are out and you have seven to back it still and you can play that game and then keep coming up with more music. And I think it's just a smarter way to generate it if and only if your singles are kicking ass you know yeah yeah i agree so i mean that's and what the hell do i know bro i, I just play music and stuff i'm not like one of these like a and r reps but this is my like pers- personal like opinion you know my
1: hot i time. agree man hey yeah i think we uh, we covered a lot of topics today i think it's time for us to drop it up uh, i've got to go barbecue with the family soon and i'm sure you've got a, a ton of stuff heck to do. yeah but this was a good man. We we uh, we covered a right. lot of great topics. Uh, we were able to to get through some things and uh, kind of recap on some stories we've been kind of talking about the last few podcasts. Um, Pat, tell
0: dude, it's it's cool. Um, it's cool that we're on episode eight, man. Um, we're getting closer to ten, and every day we get closer to one. I agree.
1: 000. Hey, speaking yeah. of that, uh, before everyone uh, kind of leaves. I think we need to do the conspiracy um, episode soon. I think they're a lot of fun. I'm sure people would love to like see some crazy stuff that we can come up with.
0: (laughs) Dude, I'm down, you know, right, Pat, tell
1: them where you can find (laughs) us
0: all right guys uh instagram facebook the guilty party podcast we have a we have an email that you can reach out to us for any personal comments concerns questions or anything you want us to speak about at we are the guilty party at gmail.com. and uh, you can find me and micah on our personal pages facebook or instagram i am at the patrick matson micah i tell am your name. michael Labros on, that's on Instagram yeah, and Facebook. And uh, so, yeah, you can reach out to us personally. We have the Guilty Party. Uh, like I said before, the Guilty Party Facebook and Instagram, too. You can reach out to us anywhere. Show your support. Leave us a written iTunes review. Uh, that always helps yes. this show out. And uh, like always, guys, we love you. We're stoked to bring this content to you. And uh, we're going to be starting a Patreon page soon uh, and a merch line. Oh, Uh-oh. Here we Probably go. Probably going to be making a T... Tea- probably going to be making a t-shirt design here in the future so if uh, you guys want any updates on that hit us up and show your support for the show because we're gonna love bringing you this content but love you guys uh episode eight it's in the books and uh micah the cowboys suck
1: you're right honestly i need a new football team
0: Dude, I, you could always be a Packer I, fan.
1: I may, know. I, I, I may do. Especially like watching the the Last Stands, that Michael Jordan documentary. It just got me like I've never been a huge Come sports on, guy, bro. but after watching that, I was like, damn,
0: like I, I could I could do this. I that, could do that,
1: that. I could be one of the guys.
0: That that documentary team that made that did a really fine I, job. <laughs> I I
1: really can't believe they did it as well as they could have. And the amount of footage that they found, considering that you know um, everything wasn't uploaded in the cloud all the
0: time. Well, wow. I, I feel bad for you that you know that you found this new love for basketball and your favorite player is retired. Yeah, I guess I'll have so. to go
1: uh, do my own research and find someone find else. Find a new
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> Even Michael
1: Jordan is a player anymore. Hey, hey.
0: He doesn't play, bro. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it. Just keep finishing the documentary. alright <laughs> <Just> you <kidding. laughs> All right, y'all. We will see y'all later. Right. Bye, bye. Love you guys. Bye.